basically God's law is love God with your whole heart, soul, mind, and strength, your neighbor is yourself. That's the law. Um, so anything that we add to that, that's sort of extra biblical, that's bricks. Yes, we do have the law, but the good news about Jesus is, of course, that he fulfilled that law. He's the only one that's done it. He fulfilled the law of loving his father. He fulfilled the law of loving his neighbor. He did it perfectly throughout his whole life for you, for us, so that we are justified. And justification means not only before God is my record just as if I never sinned, but my record is always also just as if I always obeyed. Welcome to the Women in Work podcast, the show that inspires you to confidently step into your God-given calling and view your work as meaningful to the kingdom of God. I'm Courtney Moore, and usually I'm joined by my wonderful co-host, Missy Branch. But for this season of the podcast, I'm going solo. For the next several weeks, you'll hear from the contributing authors of our forthcoming book with B&H Publishing entitled Women in Work, Bearing God's Image and Joining in His Mission Through Our Work. Our team prays these conversations are not only encouraging and inspiring, but will also give you a good preview of the book itself as we chat about each chapter throughout the season. You'll also love getting to know our amazing contributing authors whose chapters I had the privilege of editing. Pre-order your copy of Women in Work at the link in the show notes, and thank you for joining our mission here at Women in Work by making a one-time donation or by becoming a monthly partner at womenwork.net slash donate. Thank you so much for joining us today. Listeners, we are so glad you're here today. If you heard last week's episode, you know that this spring season of the Women in Work podcast, we are interviewing all of our contributing authors for the Women in Work book. The full title is Women in Work, Bearing God's Image and Joining in His Mission Through Our Work. And so today we have the special honor of having Elise Fitzpatrick with us. And so let me tell you a little bit about Elise. She has an MA in Biblical Counseling from Trinity Theological Seminary. She has authored 25 books on daily living and the Christian life. Elise loves to proclaim the good news of the gospel, that Jesus, the second person of the Trinity, perfectly obeyed all the law in our place suffered in isolation and agony as punishment for our sin, died, and then rose again, all for our justification. She is a frequent speaker at national conferences. She has been married for nearly 50 years, which is such an accomplishment. Congratulations on that. Thank you. And she has three adult children and and six really adorable grandchildren. So along with her husband, Phil, Elise attends Grace Bible Church in Escondido, California. Did I pronounce that right, Elise? Yes. Yes, you did. Okay. So welcome to the show. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I'm so happy to be with you. Well, we are so glad you're here. Um, our listeners, are no, they're, they're hearing me talk and they're missing the voice of my faithful co-host, Missy Branch. Um, we were interviewing, we were scheduling all of our authors to become interviewed and we realized, you know what, with the time frame we were working on, we really need to get these scheduled. And so you guys will hear Missy. She will come back when I actually interview her for her chapter in the Women in Work book. So today I'm going solo with Elise and you will find that pattern throughout the rest of this season of podcasts. And so Elise, you live Escondido, California. You're right outside of San Diego, correct? 
Yes, that's right. Uh, North County is what we call ourselves. Okay. That has become one of my, when we moved out, we live in El Paso and that's for me very Mm -hmm. West coming from Alabama, but we've been out to San Diego two or three times now since moving out here. And it has become one of my favorite cities. It's so beautiful. The weather, the ocean. I'm so happy you get to live there. (laughs) (laughs) So am I. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. It's a, it's a very peaceful sort of place. It's a place where it's kind of it would be really, really easy, easy just to live here um, if it didn't cost so much. Right. But it's, um, but yeah, we we love it. I've been here my whole life. Have you really? Did you you just grew up out there in California? Yeah. How did yes, you know that? Yes, I was born in Los Angeles and lived a very brief stint as a youngster in Chicago, and oh. then aside from that, Southern California, uh, San Diego primarily. Amazing. All right. Well, I did want to mention to our listeners, if they are unaware, that this is actually, this will be the third episode that you have been on the Women in Work podcast. You you and Eric Shoemaker came on. It was episodes 19 and 20. We had such a fabulous conversation. We actually, um, it was a long conversation. It was so good. We didn't want to cut it off. So we made that into two episodes and those are episodes 19 and 20. And Elise, I don't know if you know this, but we received so much feedback from that episode of how you guys talked about the experience of women in the church that Mm -hmm. really, really impacted our listeners. And um, so we were so glad you came on for that. And you also came on to the, we, our very first, you were our inaugural, inaugural, excuse me, um, book for the Women in Work book club. We read your book together, Worthy, Celebrating the Value of Women with your co-host, or not co-host, well, he is your co-host, but also your yes. co-author, um, Eric Shoemaker. And so um, I think that's how we first connected through the book club, right? Is that your memory? I, I think so. But, you know, Courtney, my memory is like, I I don't know what I did yesterday. So I'll say yes, if that's what you remember. Well, I do. You Okay. I've mentioned this in episode 19, but when I was a student at Southern Seminary, you came to speak to a women's group there. I didn't meet you then, but I remember you talked about, I actually remember what you talked about, at least this was, I mean, I graduated Mm. in 2009. Yeah. So this was before that you talked about how when we look at scripture, we always look at the commands, we look at the imperatives, and you really exhorted us to look at those surrounding verses, and we can learn so much about the heart of God for us just around the the imperatives, and so that always stuck with me. Oh, I'm so glad. (laughs) So one of the things we do, as you know, um, we have our rapid-fire questions. Since we've already asked you our typical questions, our listeners are in for a treat, we're going to ask some new questions um, for actually, we have several of our contributing authors who have been on before as guests. So they're going to get a, a, a new, learn something new about our women today. So the first question I want to ask you is what aspect of your work is bringing you the most joy lately? Thank you. And again, thanks for having me on again. Um, you, the work you guys are doing is one of my, one of the bright spots, uh, in my life as I think about how God is using women. Uh, I think the thing that has brought me joy most recently is I was able to teach through my book, Home, 
which is um, home, how heaven and the new earth satisfy our deepest longings. And that's uh, really a book about eternity. And I was able to teach through that book in 12 lessons to the women in my local congregation, which was, you know, I mean, maybe there was a total of 30 of us. Um, and I, I just had such, it was such a joy to talk to these women who love God, love the word and to say, Hey, heaven's going to be way better than you even know. So let me tell you why. And then to spend 12 weeks saying why. And yeah, that, that's brought me a lot of joy. I can just, I'm already just feeling the hope from those 12 lessons, thinking on that. Wow, that's so yeah. good. It's um I I don't think we talk about I don't think we talk about heaven enough. And we have all kinds of crazy ideas that really are not biblical. And so yeah, that was a blast. That's amazing. Now is that where are those studies, is that something you've published or was that you just created that for your well, I created it for my local congregation, but then it's up on my website, which is just elisefitzpatrick.com, and those studies can be uh, downloaded and purchased and downloaded for wow. uh, studying the local group. Well, amazing. I'm so glad to, to learn that. All right, next question. What is the biggest yeah. lesson you learned last year? That might not be a rapid question, but... Uh, yeah. Uh... I guess I would say, maybe in ways I never thought about it before, but sort of standing for truth okay. uh, is costly, is costly. And you would think, okay, that means standing for truth in the culture is mm-hmm. costly. And I'm saying, yeah, okay, there is that. But standing for truth in the church is costly. And, you know, particularly, let's say about women or um, the value of women, um, those sorts of things, that it's, it's costly. And um, I was just speaking to someone the other day who's uh, paid a horrific price for standing for truth. And I said something to her along the lines of, we will not be silenced. But then but then I faced some situations and thought, mm, maybe I think I'll just be quiet now. <laughs> so it's easy to say, yeah, I can stand for truth unless it's like me. It's like you, Courtney, right. you stand for truth. And, uh, and I'll be right there with you. But when it comes to me and paying a price, then, yeah, not well, easy. Well, I'm proud of you for standing true, um, especially as it relates to the value of women. Um, it's a shame and heartbreaking that it is so costly to stand for the value of women in the church. So, um, I'm sorry, I, as your sister, I'm sorry you've had to go through that also as your sister and one who I feel in some ways have come behind you. I'm so grateful for you standing strong and standing true. So, and I know our listeners will feel the same way. Okay. Well, what is something you're planning to do in this coming year or that you just hope to do that you have never done before? Do nothing. There you go. (laughs) Just take a rest, Elise. I mean, you've authored at least 25 books by this point, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I I think I'm going to, I think I'm not going to write 
I have, I have projects I have to work on. I, I mean, there are things to do, but to actually sit down, have a contract, write. Yeah, I think I'll not do that this year. Well, good. Okay. <laughs> I, I think that you'll be so refueled and refreshed after that. Yeah, I, probably... I feel like that's what I need. Good. Okay. Well, I want to talk about, I was first introduced to you, um, actually, you came to Southern Seminary to speak, but before that, um, as a counseling student at the seminary, a lot of your books were our textbooks. Um, you have been counseling, you have been a counselor, been a biblical counselor for a while, and you're a writer, you're a speaker. Do you remember a time in your life when you felt specifically called to ministry? Like, this is the moment I knew God was going to use me for vocational ministry or how did it, was it more progressive? Yeah, it was pretty progressive. I got saved, uh, right before my 21st birthday. Um, so, uh, you know, I had no sense of vocation or calling before then, but right after I got saved, um, I, I was going to a church and they were starting a Bible college and they said, well, you're going to Bible college, right? And I said, oh, okay, I guess so. I, I guess that's what you do if you become a Christian. And so, um, and it was pretty evident right away that I had a teaching gift. Mm-hmm. Um, I, and I knew that. Uh, I, people would ask me to teach and, uh, and I felt like, okay, that's my sweet spot. The writing, the counseling, counseling sort of came along with that teaching. It's more of like a private teaching, but the Mm -hmm. writing was something else entirely. And I still don't think about myself as a writer, which I know sounds weird, but um, my writing is really more sort of teaching off the page. Yeah. And um, so the writing was more progressive and I never, I never set out to be a writer. And there are people who write and it's like gorgeous and the words are beautiful and mm, how did they think to put those two <laughs> words next to each other? All that. I don't do that. I know I don't do that. Um, so the writing was far more progressive and now the writing has become the prominent gift in the sense that it's had a much wider reach. Right. Um, but yeah, it, it was progressive. Sure. Well, I think so that's both really, yeah, I think it's encouraging to, because I think a lot of women probably feel the same. They don't, they have one gift that seems really dominant that they know they're yeah. sure of, but yeah. then look how the Lord really took this other thing and used it. And in fact, I just saw that um, Worthy is now in Spanish, right? Digna. Yeah, isn't that cool? That's amazing. Congratulations. <laughs> I'm so excited about that. I, I, you know, I, yes, for those women in Spanish speaking contexts to get Worthy, I'm thrilled about. I love it. I mean, yeah, I'm thinking of myself here in El Paso. We need to get some copies and have it at my church. Yeah. <laughs> Wonderful. All right. One of the things you, I have read this, um, that you've said about yourself, this is on your Twitter. Like if you go to Elisa's Mm -hmm. Twitter page and you read her little bio there, it says no fluff, no bricks, just the good news of a crucified Christ who died for our sins and rose for our justification. So the first time I read that, I thought, perfect, no fluff. I know what fluff is, right? Yeah. But I want to hear what you have to say about, especially the bricks. What do you mean by bricks? And I mean, I love the gospel there. How does this describe you and your ministry? Yeah, so thank you. Um, 
well, obviously no fluff and so much of women's ministry is made up of fluff and we're all done with that. No, bricks, when I think about bricks, I think about, okay, here are the five things that you saw today on Instagram that would make you a wonderful mom or something. Sure. Those kinds of things, which come to us frequently as sort of helpful advice, but turn into a way for us to judge ourselves and to judge others, to judge ourselves, to see whether or not we're making the grade. So I'm, uh, I, I, I don't like how-to books. Um, I militate against them. Um, And so that's what I mean by bricks. Yes, we do have God's law. And basically God's law is love God with your whole heart, soul, mind, and strength. Your neighbor is yourself. That's the law. Um, So anything that we add to that, that's sort of extra biblical, that's bricks. Yes, we do have the law, but the good news about Jesus is, of course, that he fulfilled that law. He's the only one that's done it. He fulfilled the law of loving his father. He fulfilled the law of loving his neighbor. He did it perfectly throughout his whole life for you, for us, so that we are justified. And justification means not only before God is my record just as if I never sinned, but my record is always also just as if I always obeyed. Beautiful. Thank God. Thank <laughs> right? God. <laughs> right? So that, that's what I want to say. Mm. I want to say it to women. I want to say it to men. I, I, have, I have basically one message and that's it. And so even if you take a book like Worthy or Jesus and Gender or any of the stuff that I do, it all has to do with this is loving God, loving your neighbor, but this is what Christ has done for you. So you can take a breath. I just feel so free. Just you talking about it, like, oh, the freedom yeah. around Christ. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Oh, thank so you. take a breath, <laughs> right? Yes. And just rejoice in, in what he's done. And I think that that's the only message that will transform culture that's right and will transform the church and whenever we miss that message and we're missing it by miles mm-hmm. broadly in the church right now whenever we miss that message then we have to find something else to put in its place whatever that might be um this, that, and the other, it. a whole legalistic list yeah, there we could yeah, pursue. Yeah, or yeah. ways we think we're going to get the power that we need to do what, and all of that business, that that all really, I think, flows out of a loss of the message of the gospel, mm-hmm. which is you are loved and you are forgiven. Now, love your neighbor in light of that, period, the end. Amen. And that's it. That's the gospel. That's life. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. So I heard in an interview, actually it was on your podcast, The Worthy Podcast, um, you guys interviewed Paul David Tripp, and you mentioned there in conversation that you had with him that was really impactful for you, and really it sounded like was almost a pivot point for your ministry. Will you share about that? Yeah, thank you. Actually, Paul and I were speaking at the same conference, and I sort of buttonholed him, and I said, Paul, 
I want to write about the intersection of justification, which is my standing before God, and sanctification, which is that progressive slow growth in Christlikeness. I want to write about the intersection of that. Help me. <laughs> See, if you, if, you, if you get Paul's ear and say, help me, Gosh. you're going to get some help. <laughs> yeah, you are. <laughs> <laughs> and he said, yeah, Elise, um, what you need to do is look at 2 Peter 1, um, 3 through 9, and there's that whole passage there, which, of course, you know, you know, we've been given these great and precious promises. And so put on faith, put on virtue, put on all these things. And then the very end of that passage, it says, you don't want to be unfruitful in your ministry or blind because you've forgotten you were cleansed from former sins. Now, listen, Courtney, I had read that passage many times. Sure. And that little phrase at the end, having forgotten you've been cleansed from former sins, that, that was a nickel for me that fell in. Hmm. And I thought, oh, if I forget the gospel, then all of that business about put on this and add to your faith virtue and your virtue knowledge and self-control. If, if I forget that bare message of the gospel, then all that other business will not come to fruition the way that it should. And so I have to remember the gospel to my way of thinking. That's Peter's shorthand for saying the life, death, burial, res uh, ascension, resurrection, ascension of Jesus Christ, that's, don't forget you've been cleansed from your former sins, is shorthand for the gospel. Right. So don't forget that. Yeah, That's what's important in that passage. Hmm. See, what I used to think was important in that passage was, better get on, better get on it adding to your faith virtue that's and right. your virtue knowledge. Get on it. Make a list where Paul helped me see, no, actually, what you need to do is remember the gospel. And then all that other business flows out of the realization that you've been given everything you need. You already have everything you need. And so you can walk in faith. Huge. And you said, was it an after that that you wrote... Um... Give them because grace. he loves me. Oh, because he loves because me. Because okay. he loves me. Yeah, it was because he loves me. So because he loves me, loves me is actually the pivotal book. And then off of because he loves me, we wrote, give them grace, comforts from the cross, counsel from the cross, right. counsel from Romans. All, uh, loads and loads of books came out of, worthy, came out of that turn that I took in writing because he loves me after the conversation with my dear, dear brother, Paul. I thank God for Paul, David Tripp. Yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I buy extra copies of new morning mercies just to give out yeah. because I can tell you if they're, I mean, between your work and his work, genuinely, I, I promise I'm not trying to flatter you at least. Mm -hmm. I, so impactful to me, but new morning mercies having, that in my, I, I read it for two years straight. That 
he discipled me. He discipled yeah. my actual thinking about the yeah. day and about the grace I've been given to walk in. And, and, mm-hmm. and basically the new morning mercies is just a daily devotional, but it starts with that foundation that you just talked about. Um, and then how so much grace from the Lord comes to just empower our every day and our, in our weaknesses. And so um, our listeners are wondering why we're not talking about the women at work book yet, but all of this is so foundational to even the right. idea of work. And so talk to me a little bit about what you, what about the conversation of women and their work? What is interesting to you about that? Um, And, you know, I don't know, what's your passion regarding that? Yeah. So, you know, obviously um, my passion has become more and more that women come to realize their importance to Mm. the kingdom. Yeah, thank you, Elise. Uh, that the work that they do, that the lives they live, who they are, is so significant, so important. And, and many times we feel like, I think as women, well, the work that I do isn't really, you know, where the action is. The work that the guys do, that's where the action is. And certainly the, we are thankful for the work that our brothers do. But, uh, you know, I want women to know that those things that they do, that they think are just ordinary or um, commonplace, don't, you know, I mean, what does it actually mean that I changed seven diapers today, you know? Uh, or what does it mean that I'm at this office answering this phone or that I'm running this company or I'm teaching this class? What, how is that? How is that important? And what I want women to see is how God has used women, is using women, will continue to use women to bring about the shalom, <laughs> the, mm-hmm. the blessing of his kingdom in this earth before he returns. So I just want women to know that the way they persevere through hardship, through physical pain, um, every woman practically knows what it is to have significant physical pain, uh, monthly at least, Mm -hmm. Um, to know what it is to many women to give birth, not all, to know what it is to get up in the morning and go to work every day. Right. <laughs> and, and it's easy to think this doesn't matter. And I want women to know it matters. I think Luther, I'm going to mess up this quote. So if there's any <laughs> Luther scholars, I'm sorry already. <laughs> um, Luther said something like, the most holy work you can do is changing a diaper. Okay, what is that? Uh, What does that mean? Sure. It means that the way I love my neighbor, and I've heard heard this as well, God doesn't need your good works. Uh, God doesn't need my work, but my neighbor does. Yeah, that is a a Luther quote. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And so... That baby needs my good work. That mm-hmm. boss needs me to answer the phone. My neighbor, to love my neighbor, means that I do the work I'm called to do, 
whether it looks like ministry per se, all of our work is ministry. Right. All of it is, whether we call it ministry or not. So Saturday morning, I get up and, you know, from time to time, I actually have energy. So I say, hey, Phil, why don't we clean the house? Because, you know, it's just he and I and, you know. So we spent like three or four hours doing all the things. And that's as important. That's important. Mm -hmm. Because I'm loving my neighbor. That's right. And so people can come over or we can (laughs) find things we're looking for. Um, Sure. We're loving our neighbor. And so my passion is, I'm so glad for what you guys are doing. Thank you. And my passion is that women would see that the things that they are doing are honorable and significant and have great worth in the sight of God, whether or not somebody wants to call what they're doing ministry. That's our heartbeat. And I'm so glad you're a part of us in this book. And I have a copy of, it's not the actual physical book, but here is your copy. Um, the book has 10 chapters. We start that you actually chapter one, at least. I don't know if you knew that you are chapter one in the book and um, the book starts out. Eat your broccoli first. <laughs> Not at all. It's oh, okay. like it's like cheese with broccoli. It's like you know. Yeah, okay. It's okay. very yummy broccoli. Um, no, the book starts out more theological and moves toward the practical. And so, do you remember the title? Can you tell our listeners the title of your book, of your chapter? Uh, uh, yes. Wait. It's I have it written here. You see, <laughs> <laughs> the creation mandate, great commission, and your work. Yes. Okay. So, I mean. The Creation Mandate, the Great Commission, and your work. And so that your title alone is instructive and informative um, for just some biblical theology. You really reference there in the title two really very significant instructions. I guess I was trying to think of the right word. If instructions are is the right word, I'm not sure, but um, that are mentioned in the Old Testament. One is in the Old Testament, the other is in the New Testament. And so just briefly, um, just share why <laughs> in my life. <laughs> I mean, the creation mandate obviously is in Genesis. Great commission is in Matthew. What are those two things? And then we're going to talk about what it has to do with our work. Okay. So here we are from Genesis one twenty-eight, uh, And this is the Christian standard version. God blessed them. And God said to them that of course is male and female that he created. Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, and subdue it. Rule the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, and every creature that calls on the earth, crawls on the earth. So that's the creation mandate. That is the command. That is the vocation, if you will, of the male and female. They are co-rulers. They are blessed as co-rulers. They are to be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth and then rule over nature. Huge. And yeah, and okay, so, you know, as if that's not enough. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so then that's before the fall. That's the original vocation that we have been given. Then post-resurrection, 
we have Jesus. And Jesus is um, ascending, going to ascend. And sort of the last things thing Matthew remembers him saying is, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. So it's like, cool your jets, it's all okay. <laughs> I mean, that's what that feels like to me, right? Yeah, it's like, right. you're going to be okay. I You'll be this. all right. I have all, I have all authority in heaven and on earth. So mm, it, it's yeah. going to be okay. Now, because I have all authority, here's the command. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I've commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. So he starts off, I got this. Here's what you do. I got this. So sort of bookended like that. And, but what he says is, this is interesting because that um, original command from Genesis was to have children be fruitful, mm -hmm. multiply. It's other things. It's rule over nature, but it's have children. Now the New Testament has changed and the command now is no longer have loads of babies. Okay. And I'm just going to say, I love children. I have three kids. I have six grandkids. I'm very, very happy. If that's God's vocation for you, great, do it. It's not the only thing. And the New Testament has changed. The teaching of the New Testament is not women have lots of babies. The teaching of the New Testament is make disciples. That's right. That is exactly right. It's a huge shift. It's mm -hmm. a huge shift. You see, before we're looking at, okay, eventually someone will give birth to the Messiah. But right. now the Messiah has come. And so yes. it's not that anymore. It's not give birth to the Messiah. It's give spiritual birth, bring spiritual birth to loads of Messiah followers. Yes. That's what we're called to do now. I was just reading in just my daily Bible reading. Today's reading was Isaiah 54. And it's that beautiful passage about... It's to these women who don't have children. And he yeah. says, guess what? You don't, you are barren, but you yeah. expand your tent, you know, do mm -hmm. not hold back. You're going to bear so much fruit. And a lot of times, I mean, it's, it's honestly a pretty big thing that in, in Christian culture today, they, some people hear the creation mandate and they do, they, they hear only the one thing for women to yeah. have children. And obviously, I mean, Eve's name, the mother of all the living, that was yes. huge. Yeah. They had to populate yeah. the earth. But I got to tell you, when I started Women in Work, the creation mandate was so exciting to me because I didn't just, in my mind, the creation mandate, it wasn't just that women were relegated to only have babies. I mean, yeah. Adam could not start culture by himself, yes. right? Yeah. Um, and then the beauty of just the fruitfulness of making disciples, whether that's through your own physical children or even yeah. The process of sanctification through work. Um, it all yeah. is, it's all right there. And so, and, and I even think about for single women, um, women who will never bear children, maybe they're not even single, yeah. maybe they're just infertile. Um, yeah. so it's, 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 it's huge. <laughs> yeah. The shift that yeah. takes place. 
But yeah, really that shift. foundation though began in Genesis for work itself. Right. And and just briefly, one of the shifts that I saw, which I had never seen before, was in the Old Testament, you have all of this talk about mm, Rachel was pretty, but Leah wasn't. And and um, this woman had a beautiful form and this mm-hmm. woman was beautiful. You have a lot of that in the Old Testament mm-hmm. talking about the desirability by men of women and particularly to have children. In the New Testament, none of it. How interesting. None How of it. Interesting. Even with because Mary. Because it's changed. You really yes. don't even know with Mary. We yeah. knew she was young. Yeah. Um, but we know nothing about her pretty? physical appearance. Yeah. See, the New Testament doesn't talk about it at all. And that's because it's changed. The emphasis has changed from being a woman who is outwardly beautiful so that she's desired by a man so they can have babies to being a woman who is married to the Christ and has Mm. spiritual children. Beautiful. Yeah. And for the record, women in work loves mothers. We're, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm yeah, a mother yeah. of three. <laughs> we love well, our well, babies. Yeah, we, we always have to say that, don't we? And we feel like we have to, because if not, they're going to hear that and think that we're yeah. against motherhood. We're not. We're not. We're just no. for expanding your potential yes. to more. Yes. Um, okay, so you outline your chapter with four main points. Share with our listeners what those four main points are and really how they connect with the overall story of Scripture. I, I love this in your chapter. Okay, so the four main points is, first of all, work is good. So in the garden, before sin, before the fall, when everything was as it should be, Adam and Eve were called to work. So work is not a product of the byproduct of sin or the fall. That's, work was there beforehand. So work is good. And you know when you have those days when you actually produce something that you think is good work, that sort of feeling of satisfaction that you have, that tells you, okay, this is, a, this is an eternal something. This mm-hmm. is an eternal thing. So work is good, but work is fallen. So right after the fall, creation is cursed. Uh, man is not cursed. Woman is not cursed. Hmm. Creation is cursed. And so... That's why computers crash. That's right. That's why you do work and you work really hard and then it comes to nothing or it gets lost. Or you work hard cleaning your house and you're in the middle of being done cleaning your house and you spill something all over the rug. Yes. Okay. Work is cursed. Work is cursed. Part of that has to do with the fact that creation itself is under a curse. And so it's fighting against us all the time. It is. Work is also, yeah, yeah, it is. Work is also redeemed. And what that means is the work that we do now, whether it seems mundane and ordinary or like it doesn't matter, work is redeemed. And we know that because in Colossians 3, Paul tells us to do, your, do our work as though we're working for the Lord. So what that means is that our work, God sees our work, and 
in whatever way we are doing it out of love for neighbor and love for God, whether or not we're successful, and boy, that's a huge thing for us, I think, as Westerners. We got to be successful. No, actually, you just have to be faithful. Amen. Okay. So work is redeemed. God sees us. He blesses it. And then we will work in eternity. <laughs> we don't think about so, that a lot. <laughs> work is going to be there, but it won't be all of the, when I say work and you go, Ugh. no, work is really wonderful and satisfying. I think about the times when I've, when I've produced something that I thought was really good, or even the other day, we finished cleaning the house and I look around in the house and that satisfying feeling, mm-hmm. that, that times a bazillion because there won't be there won't be any sin in it at all so what we're going to do on the new heavens and the new earth is rule and reign and learn learning will be great will work so that's the progression work is good work is blessed work is fallen work is redeemed will work in eternity One of the things you mentioned there at the beginning when you're talking about the creation mandate is that God himself is a worker. And, you know, when we're talking about if someone asks us, oh, well, what's God like? You know, we we think we go through sort of the attributes of God, right? He's holy. He's loving. He's faithful. We don't necessarily think about him as a worker, but I was just pulling up Genesis 2, 2 and 3. It says on the seventh Mm -hmm. day, God had completed his work that he had done. Think about it. He completed his work that he had done and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. It repeats it in the same verse. Yeah. Um, And then he blessed it and he rested from his work. And so why do you think it's important for us? We're workers. God is a worker. Why is that even something to note? You know? Well, because we're created in the image of God. So because we're created in the image of God and God is a worker, (laughs) This is going to sound weird. I don't think I've ever said this, but it occurs to me. God is busy. Yeah. He's producing. He's working. Yeah. He's fruitful. He's busy. He's not just like floating down the lazy river. So, you know, God, God works. And because we're created in the image of God, then we are our best selves when Mm -hmm. we are working as he works. And what that means is not that we are like workaholics, but that we have a life balance between the work we do out there and the work we do in here and the time we spend working with people and the time we spend working alone and then our rest. And learning that balance, see, God, of course, knows how to balance that perfectly. He gets shalom. So we have to try to work towards it. And, you know, Jesus said, Jesus said, hey, I'm working and my father's working too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then he said, you know, at the end of, in the high priestly prayer in 17, yeah. listen, I've completed all the work you gave me to do. He had yeah. a mission. He had a job to do. He got it yeah. done. Yeah. But you know what? He's not right now. I mean, he's in heaven. But he's not like floating down the lazy river in heaven. Mm -hmm. He's working to provide for and protect his church, his bride. He's working Mm -hmm. for his bride. So 
work is work is part of what it means to be whole and if we're not working it's um there's there's a thing that's wrong there right Right. So for women who just mentioning what you said for women who don't have this foundation and, um, you know, they're going to learn all this in the book, but what are some of the problems you see out of a work ethic that really is not rooted in the gospel or God or the, or who he is, or the fact that we're image bearers? How are you seeing women kind of live out of this in a way that is maybe not what God intended? So if we're not living in light of the gospel, which is that Jesus Christ lived perfectly, died substitutionally, rose bodily, and ascended. If we're not living, forgave all our sins, lived perfectly in our place. If we're not living in the light of that, then we will either do too much trying to prove that we're okay. Right. So much of our ambition is rooted in that. Yeah. Yeah, right? Trying to prove Mm -hmm. that, you know, I remember when I first became a Christian, one of my primary goals in life, although I never would have said it, was trying to prove I wasn't like my mother. Hmm. So trying to prove that we're actually okay. So I'm going to just kill myself doing all this stuff to try to prove I'm actually okay. So there's that. And then on the other side of that, there's this, I can never measure up. I can never do enough. I can, so I'm just going to do nothing or as little as I can get away with. So when we know that we're loved and forgiven and counted completely obedient already, then we can do our work, know that we will have times of failure and success, and our failures won't kill us, you know, just so crush us. Exactly. Uh, And our successes, (laughs) we won't believe our press. And that's good too. (laughs) Like, don't believe your press. Um, But that our, our, the work we do, even though it seems, again, it's so mundane. How is it that what I'm, you know, this case I'm working on, you know, after all, what does that even mean in the long haul? Love your neighbor. That's right. And when you do that, when you're loving your neighbor, what you're doing is you're bringing the kingdom of heaven to earth. And that's what you want to do through your work. That's right. When the section on work is fallen, I was just going to read a quote that I think so many people can relate to. Um, You said, notice this, when the Lord pronounced judgments after the sin of Adam and Eve, the place where that judgment fell was primarily in the area of the work they had been given. They lost the painless blessing of work. They lost the easy fruitfulness that had been built into creation. And then further down, you say, this terrible curse continues even to this day. Our experience with work is not as it was designed to be. We sigh as we feel the weight of sin's curse. We know that no matter how hard we labor, in many ways, our work is futile. And you kind of share the story in the book of how you had created, I think you had been invited to a church and had done this video series, and then it didn't even happen. And it was like, what was the point of that? So in those moments, what do you tell yourself about the futility? Are you, and, and then how do you kind of get through that? Yeah. <laughs> Gosh. 
Tell us what happened. We'd love to know more about that. <laughs> uh, yeah, I had worked really diligently and I thought faithfully to produce a video series that was going to go along with the book through a series of circumstances that I had no control over. We we shot the video. The video was produced. Um, uh, and then all of a sudden, um, the venue where the video was going to be used went away. Okay. So what do I do with that? Here's hours and hours and hours of work. So I say, well, um, it's a good thing I gave. <laughs> it's a good thing I gave it to you, Lord. That's right. So if we take our work and we say, "I'm I'm giving it to you. This is yours." Uh, this is what I hope happens through it, but if it doesn't, this, you know, this is your work, Lord, please use it or don't. And then you leave it. There is a real, there's such beauty in the reality that God sees our work and that he's sovereign. Mm -hmm. He sees our work. He's sovereign to use our work whatever way he wants. And even if it was to somehow sanctify you in the producing of that work. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Or the people who were involved in the production true, of it. True. Right? Painful, but he knows yes. what he's doing. Right. Right. Uh, exactly. Which is really what you hit on in the great commission. When you go back to all authority has been given unto me. He can right. do with it what he wants and use it for gospel yeah. purposes, no matter if it looks like it's just futility to us, right? Yes. Yeah. Do you ever think about that passage in 1 Corinthians 3 when Paul's talking and he says, you know, I've, I'm laid a foundation, um, the, but each one has to be careful how he builds on it. For no mm -hmm. one can lay any foundation other than what has been laid down. That foundation is Jesus Christ. If anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, each one's work will become obvious for the, for the day will disclose it because it will be revealed by fire. The fire will test the quality of each one's work. If anyone's work that he has built survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will experience loss. But he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. I think about that passage sometimes with stories like this. When you say, you know, I had committed my work to the Lord. You, you weren't doing that for your own name. You were saying, God, right. this is yours. You're going to do with it what you want. And I, right. I mean, I'd love to hear your thoughts on that passage. I want to hear your thoughts more than I want to share mine. But how do you interact with that passage? Yeah, I think that passage, um, I think for some time that passage has been troubling to me. Okay. And, and um, the way, the way that, and I can't remember where I read it, but I, I did read it somewhere. Um, it is what Paul is talking about there are people who are trying to build for the gospel, but actually they're doing it for their own glory. Right. So I don't think that Paul is talking specifically about any work that any of us do. I think he's talking very specifically about these false apostles, these people who were 
um, trying to, you know, they called themselves the super apostles. We're trying to build a structure other than the structure that Paul had already built of the gospel. And so Paul is saying, hey, maybe they're building for the Lord. Maybe they're not. We'll find out in the end. Right. It's either going to last or it's not going to last. Right. 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 But to your point, I think there's a broader way to use that, which is just to say the work that we're doing, your book, my books, they may stand the test of time. They may not. But, you know, if if we've given them away, if we've said, Lord, they're yours, so do with them what you want, then who am I to say, well, I don't really like the way you're using this. Mm-hmm. Wish you'd mm-hmm. do something else. And I think, too, just about the motivation you were saying with these super apostles, they were doing it for themselves, for their own name, for their own really kingdom, but guys as the kingdom of God, you know? And so I don't know. I just think about our own motivation as we work is just Colossians doing it as unto him. I don't know. That just popped up in my head when we were um, chatting about that. Um, So to to wrap up, you know, you mentioned your last um, point of the outline of the book was work is eternal. Um, is there one aspect of hope um, that you kind of hang on to when you think about that? When you think about, you know, you've mentioned this home book that you or study that you've written. How do you, how can we have hope as we look forward to being in heaven one day? How does that affect our work? Yeah. So the hope is that the this is really beautiful. <laughs> I think that when we get to the new heavens and the new earth, the Bible talks about kings bringing their glory into it. And I think that what that means, at least in part, is I'm going to see something in the new Jerusalem, and I'll look at it, and, and I'll say, oh, that's, that's from what Courtney did. Wow, yeah. It's, it's, it's going to last eternally. N.T. Wright talks about, we tend to feel like, okay, the work that we do, God's going to just wipe out everything and start over. But he says, no, it's not like God is going to drive everything off a cliff. No, actually, he's going to use the beauty and the art and the work and the perseverance and the hours of serving somebody who who can't even who because perhaps of mental illness or a mm-hmm. problem can't even say thank you mm. that those things will beautify the mm. world to come mm. so paul says at the end of 1 corinthians 15 where he you know which of course is the chapter about the resurrection, he says, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your work for the Lord is not in vain. So maybe it gets trashed here, Mm -hmm. but it's not in vain because he will use, he will use everything that was ever given to him. He will use how, I don't know maybe to beautify the world to come. I was thinking of, do you, are you familiar? This just reminded me as you were answering that question. Do you know, I think it's an essay or a little sketch by Tolkien 
about belief. Yeah. Belief. Belief. Is that belief what it's called? And niggle. Remind me. Niggle. It's yes. so similar to what it's you're talking about. Be- it's called belief by niggle. That's it. Leaf by niggle. Leaf and by niggle. It can, you might yes. can speak more intelligently yes. about it, but it's very, very close uh, to what you're talking about. Uh, it's this. It's this story of a of a man. From what I remember, it's the story of a man named Niggle who spent his entire life trying to draw this perfect leaf. And my understanding, mm-hmm. when he is in eternity. He actually sees it. It's there. Mm-hmm. That work he's done is there. Is that how you remember it? Yes. Yeah. It's almost like he had been working, working for his whole life to create yes. this. And, and I don't remember if he didn't quite accomplish it or right. if yeah. he did, but he wasn't satisfied with it. Right. And then he right. gets to heaven and he yeah. sees it with new eyes and it's beautiful yeah. and it's full yeah. and it's yeah. realized, basically. Yeah. It's almost yeah. like what he was doing on earth was like a mere shadow or just a, a mere, almost a tainted glimpse. Yes. But then in yes. heaven, it was magnificent and it was beautiful. Yeah. And yeah. that's what you're telling us about our work. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. Spend your whole life trying to draw something, never really get it. You get to heaven, you go, oh, that's what I made because right. of Christ. Because of Christ. God redeems it. It's all of that. Yes, Yes. of course. But yeah, your work matters. It It matters, right. We'll have to link to that in the show notes of this. And I'll actually reread that. (laughs) Yeah, I think I will too. (laughs) Um, Well, this has been so good, Elise. Um, Just any last words for our listeners? Anything you would like to share your heart with them in any way? Um, In the midst, and I'm sharing this heart with myself as well. In the midst of discouragement about your work he owns it he will use it he sees it and your work doesn't earn anything he's already earned it all Mm. and he loves the work you're doing he loves it in all in all of its imperfection in all of its messiness in in all of your ways that you haven't quite done what you set out to do. He loves it and welcomes it. Mm. Elise, thank you. That is really encouraging and beautiful. And again, we are so thankful that you have chapter one in the Women in Work book. So grateful for your wisdom and your heart Mm. and for coming on to chat about it today. And um, all the resources we we mentioned today, we'll link back to them in the show notes, um, especially the previous episodes that you came on for. And um, Again, we're so grateful for you, Elise. Thank you. Thanks. It's been my honor. And thanks to our listeners for joining us today. Pre-order your copy of our book, Women in Work, Bearing God's Image and Joining in His Mission Through Our Work at the link in the show notes. And thank you for joining our mission here at Women in Work by making a one-time tax-deductible donation or by becoming a monthly partner at womenwork.net slash donate. If you haven't subscribed to the show, make sure you do that as well so you don't miss a single episode. And with that, we hope you've been inspired to more confidently step into your God-given calling and view your work as meaningful to the kingdom of God. See you next time.